Can y'all even believe transgenderism or transsexualism has been normalized? More than normalized? Glorified? This confusion is now the face of some of the most popular brands out there. It's showing up on covers of magazines as Woman of the Month, encroaching on women's sports, and putting young children at risk by the demand for shared bathrooms and locker rooms. How, as Christians, are we supposed to navigate this? Do we care? How do we refer to these individuals? Do we use their preferred pronouns, or do we identify them by their God-given biological sex? And what about trans rights? Do they fall under the banner of freedom that all Americans should be supporting? And what does God's word have to say about all this? There's a lot going on here and a lot to discuss. Hey fam, it's Katie and welcome back to the Katie Armstrong Show. Has anyone else noticed the radical influx in people identifying as transgender? And I'm not even including the non-binary or rest of the LGBTQ community. I'm talking about transgender specifically. As a woman, I can't tell you how frustrating it is to go into some place like Ulta, which is a beauty store for those who don't know, to be helped by a man wearing pumps and a full face of foundation. Or what about walking into Lululemon to be helped by a man dressed in the same clothing as me? That looks horrible on them, mind you. It's like, How politely can I say that I prefer to talk to someone who actually has my body? And from a single man's perspective, some of these men that are identifying as women, I mean, gosh, with some of them, it's even hard for me to tell what they are, which you men being created by God as the more visually stimulated creatures, how easy it could be to get duped. It kind of angers me and I'm not even a man. Anyways, back to the point. How can this be? Why such a rise in transgenderism? What is going on? Well, first, we all know the removal of God from our society has been on the incline with intensity since they voted to take prayer and the Bible out of public schools in the 1960s. That is the first thing. And what happens when you remove or take something away? Something else has to fill the space or void. Of course, you hope that when something is removed, it is something worse for something better, but we know when you take the word of God away or try to remove God, there is but one way to go, and that's down. There is nothing better than perfect good, God. So what we've seen fill the space of God is this idea of freedom without morality, Everybody is free to find or discover themselves now, and there is no objective truth. Everything is relative. And boy, have people gotten creative. To the point we now have children and teens identifying as furries, which, from what I understand, is a person dressed up as an animal. What started out as gender dysmorphia, what I personally call a fancy word for gender confusion, that a very almost non-existent select few were experiencing turned into some crazed fad overnight. And we have social media, particularly Chinese TikTok, to thank for that. But before we go any further, let's bring it back to God. What does he have to say about all this? A man wanting to be a woman and a woman, a man. Is this legit? And then as Americans living in a free country, how does transgenderism or trans rights fit? Or do they? 
This might be a bit basic for the advance here, but stick with me. Way back in the beginning, in Genesis, God was busy creating. He created the universe and the waters, the plants and animals and everything you see. Then he made us, mankind. What is so wonderful about the creation account is that God made it very clear exactly what or how he created when he created, especially in regards to mankind. Listen to Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He created two genders, period. No confusion. He created male and he created female. He was not confused. He knew what he was doing and he intentionally did it. Now, as for the whole mental debate of people having some kind of brain malfunction from birth that thinks they're gay or trans or whatever, I'm not really about that discussion. I couldn't care less, to be honest. To some extent, we all have brain malfunctions and certain bends towards certain sins that I'm sure you could somehow see in our brain activity. That's a pretty big part of the point. We all need Jesus and to be renewed in our minds and then to fight the good fight against what our flesh is bent towards for the glory of God and the sake of our own lives until we're in heaven, be it addictions, depression, anxiety, same-sex attraction, lying, transgenderism, and so on. And Jesus can and does set us free, but also sometimes it is a fight and we have to really wrestle to cling to him for him to do it and or for us to remain in that freedom. But God is faithful. God's way and clinging to Jesus not only protects us from living a life that is bound to rob us and leave us empty and imprisoned, but it in turn gives us the ability to lead others who are captive by the same bends or sins to Jesus and freedom. But again, I do want to stress, sometimes, and for some of us, the fight is a lot more intense, but God is faithful and he will use the struggle for great good, often reaching people who are similar and in need of hope the most and in ways that a person who doesn't struggle as much to stay free in a certain area could ever do. But for the sake of our brain malfunction argument and using that as an excuse to live in sin and not fight the good fight, let's take a habitual liar, for example. He or she could wake up and say, well, I really, really feel like I'm a liar, even though I know that being a man or woman of truth is who I'm supposed to be. But I really just feel like I wasn't created to be a man or woman of truth. I just have this intense urge to lie that has been there my whole life. God made some kind of mistake when he created me and created me a liar. Do you see what I mean here? We can technically all justify our feelings and desires somehow, but praise God we have truth and a knowledge of what is right so we can know what is good and blesses and steer towards it through Christ despite how we feel or what we think our bodies are trying to tell us and ideally walk and keep in the freedom Jesus provides. But back to God creating male and female. He created two genders intentionally and clearly spoke it in his word. He was not confused. He knew what he was doing and he intentionally did it. And somewhat combining what I just said, Does that mean there is any legit excuse to claim there is another order, that God created the male and female, but the answer is no, of course. Psalms 139, 13 through 14 says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Despite whatever it is, that culture or your sin-bent brain or mind or feelings or whatever, talking primarily to the unsaved here, tells you, you were intentionally made and made to know God and order and right living. In other words, what blesses? Truth. Your existence is very intentional, and with flesh and a world ready to lie to you about it, you need to know your creator to rise above it and appreciate how awesome you are exactly as you. Now, what about our country? We know what God says and what is right and true, but we live in a free country, so how does this all play out and what are we Christians supposed to do? What are the boundaries? Do trans individuals get trans rights, so to speak? Here is what I propose. If somebody wants to live in sin, and in this case, in a way that is against all reality and sane thinking, that's fine. Destructive, but that's their choice. However, when those same people don't keep their destruction to themselves, but are trying to push their unsound mind and sin onto others in the name of laws and rights, then it becomes an issue. There is objective truth, and even though America is less and less wanting to hold to that, it doesn't take away the fact. If the Judeo-Christian God we looked to to found this country of law, order, and freedom isn't what people want to look to anymore for objective truth, on this issue, fine. We shouldn't even need a higher power to lay down the moral law anyways. Basic, factual, and unarguable biology should be enough. So we have a private moral issue that has become a public moral issue and is now being destructive to others with emphasis on our children. What is America supposed to do in this situation? Just allow it? Just allow any moral issue we factually know is indeed a moral issue to let loose and do whatever? Even give it rights? No. We shut it down. That's how you preserve a country and keep it from imploding from within. You uphold law and order when moral disorder starts to publicly breed. You cannot have freedom without upholding morality. Our country aside, had this not become what it is and reached into our public square, us Christians shouldn't have had any different of a position on the topic. We'd still disagree with their private lifestyle and in love tell them why we don't support it, not to shun them, but make God's way and Christ's love known, just like we do with anyone in sin we knew or know and is walking down a path of destruction. But when it becomes public, with laws and rights being made and talked about, we rise up with the rest of our country who is still sane to put a stop to it, preaching whatever message from God comes to our minds that is biblical and fitting for the occasion. Some messages, say, to leaders, more aggressive, with a warning if they keep going in their destructive ways, some messages more tender, with a warning. But the darkness gets pushed against both privately and publicly when it goes public, and God is brought into it so that those who might hear will. I mentioned the question at the beginning of how we are to refer to folks in transgenderism. I brought this up because I know this is a rock and hard spot for many Christians who are wanting to love for the sake of the gospel and are confused about how to do it, what would be most loving. So how do we refer to folks who want to be called what we know they are not? Do we use their preferred pronouns and names, or do we identify them by their God-given biological sex? Straightforwardly, 
my approach is to always refer to them by their real name and their biological sex, the God-given, by birth, biological sex. It is not loving at all to affirm in any way a lie. Leave that to the world to do. I won't call him Jane if I can see he is clearly a man. I will ask what his real name is. And honestly, for someone who is in a place to hear, it's a great way to open up a conversation to explain why you want to know their real name and to tell them about a God who loves them and created them with perfect intention. There is one caveat to this, though. You can't do this unless you have a soft heart going into it that has their best intentions in mind. Not a heart that wants to change them, but a heart that wants to talk to them. It's very easy to see if you have a politically conservative animosity or religious spirit as your motive or one of love. Always remember, love is not so much the words, although it of course is, but the position of the heart. If your heart is right and aligned with God's, the love will show, be it accepted or not, and the right words will follow. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode. It was short and sweet, but I hope you all enjoyed it. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate and leave a review for me and tell me what you think. I read them and they help me to start ranking in Apple Podcasts. Keep in the fight, folks. As the dark days get darker, we want to be a light. We want to warn others and we want to share the hope of Christ. God bless you all. Take care and we'll talk to you soon.